Okay, part two of the last topic we discussed, uh, we uh, pepper spray was brought up as an alternative means for someone who may be a threat that's mentally disturbed. Um, we I explained in the last episode though that the cause of the person's motivation for being that deadly threat to the officer or others is not going to change the way we need to respond. We look at if there's a deadly threat, a knife, a gun, some kind of deadly threat, if we're in jeopardy and the threat is imminent, we are going to have to respond with deadly force to neutralize that threat as quickly as possible. They call it immediate threat reduction. And that will not change whether the person's mentally ill or they're not, um, we still deal with it the same way. But a lot of people in the public are complaining that because in that Walter Wallace incident that I discussed in the last episode, he was mentally ill, and they felt that deadly force was an excessive level of force to use to deal with him and his threat. And I explain that this is not the case because he was still a deadly threat. And regardless of whether it's because of mental illness, could be anger, hatred, it doesn't matter. It's still a deadly threat that has to be dealt with immediately and has to be neutralized or stopped. Pepper spray in that situation where you're facing a knife, even if it's a mentally ill person, he's still totally capable of employing that lethal threat to the person. And pepper spray, taser, and all that that some of the media suggested or the family thought should have been used instead because he's mentally ill would not have been the appropriate alternative um, to a deadly threat. We still have to deal with a deadly threat with deadly force we use just the minimum amount necessary to stop the threat. Oftentimes, though, that amount to stop the threat does result in going until the person is deceased, or a lot of times you do not survive that deadly force. That's why it's deadly force. Deadly force, remember from earlier episodes, is defined under our Wisconsin statute as the intentional use of a firearm or other instrument the use of which would result in a high probability of death. And when you shoot somebody, that is a high probability risk of death. Some people survive it. It will still be classified as deadly force whether they survive it or not. But they're, they're oftentimes um, with the decent caliber handgun round that was shot in the areas that we are trained as police officers to shoot. And I train my concealed carry people the same way if they do have to deploy deadly force to stop a threat, that they do have to go for the target area between the eyebrow and the nipple line of a person. That's the only way you're going to get immediate threat reduction. Otherwise, um, this Joe Biden police reform rhetoric that uh, we want to train the officers just to shoot in the leg or the hip, the shoulder, and all that kind of stuff is just not, it's not reality. If you're comfortable doing that, then you probably shouldn't even be going to deadly force. You could then safely go 
to a taser or some other means. When that when we have to go to the gun, that level of force that means that every option's been exhausted. Time is crucial. We're often talking fractions of a second. And when it's down to the wire like that, in that situation, I'm not going to be considering um, trying to utilize that deadly force in any manner that is not not appropriate for, for that. That's why officers would carry, well, it was uh, 40s were probably the most common round. Now it's a 9-millimeter hollow point. Uh, it's getting a little small there. We definitely wouldn't go any smaller than a 9-millimeter, a 380 which is the next step down, is just too small. It's not going to be an effective stop. Nine millimeter barely does it. Um, but I guess that's the minimum we could we could use. And uh, actually, I still I still carry 40. 40 uh, that's the smallest caliber that I choose to go with, a 40 caliber hollow point. But a lot of law enforcement agencies now are, are changing over the nine millimeter. They're claiming that the it is a smaller round, but there's a higher velocity by a slight margin, and that higher velocity makes up for the difference of the smaller round and all that. So it remains to be seen. Uh, jury's still out as far as I'm concerned, but. Um, I'll stick with the 40 for now, I think. That's a small round, and I'm going to go. And I'm only utilizing that in a, la in a last resort, no other option available situation where fractions of a second count, and I want some a shot that's going to be effective at neutralizing the deadly threat as quickly as possible, immediate threat reduction, as we see in law enforcement. So that's... Uh, the scoop on that, no alternative means. Pepper spray is great if you have a non-lethal threat, you have an aggressive subject and all that. You can use pepper spray. Just remember it has to be pepper spray. It cannot be mace. Mace is banned in Wisconsin, Hawaii, and Washington, D.C. Other states uh, may restrict it to law enforcement and such. But in Wisconsin, we cannot carry... Non, we cannot carry mace and CN and some of the other alternatives that are similar. Um, the tear gas agents, it has to be pure pepper spray. Pepper spray itself, when it's pure, is very safe. It's 100% organic. It's biodegradable. It's non-carcinogenic. Um, it will not cause any long-term harm. Mace can. Mace and CN in there has man-made chemicals in it, some synthetic things. Um, wasp killer, like I mentioned earlier, episode two is not a good idea for humans either. So stick with the, the pure pepper spray for non-lethal situations, and you can't go wrong with that. Okay, so I hope that helps clarify why non-lethal options such as pepper spray or taser, stun gun are not used in situations where you have imminent jeopardy from a deadly threat. Have a good one. Stay safe. And as always, shoot me questions, comments, or feedback at bscott8766 at att.net. And I'll be looking forward to seeing those emails. Thanks for the good questions and the support. And we will see you again soon in a 
next episode of Concealed Carry. Bye. Good morning and um, happy Pearl Harbor anniversary. A day, uh, day we used to honor the memory of the men and women who died serving our country at Pearl Harbor. Um, today I want to discuss a few questions have come up recently about a long gun versus a handgun for home defense and which is the best option to use. And there's pros and cons to both of them. Let me go through a few of the overviews of the uh, pros and cons, and it's really up to each individual to make a choice as to uh, what they're going to prefer to utilize for their home defense in that. Um, first of all, a long arm, a solar fire weapon, is going to be more powerful, it's going to neutralize faster, and you're going to be more accurate with a shoulder fire weapon because the barrel radius is much greater on a long arm than it is on a handgun, obviously. The shorter the barrel radius, the less accuracy you're going to have. Um, the little two-inch snub nose Chief Special is only going to be accurate for a very, very close quarter combat situation as opposed to a uh, rifle with a longer barrel, it's going to be much, much more accurate. The velocity of a rifle round is far greater than the velocity of a handgun round, so therefore is going to be more potent and you have a larger, generally a larger caliber um, and more firepower with a rifle round as opposed to a handgun round. So it is going to stop the threat quicker. You're going to have more accuracy and at a greater distance. Than you will with a handgun. Now, some of the cons with the shoulder fire weapon is that it's more cumbersome. It's going to be harder to retrieve, hard to, con to conceal and control. And I always found it very cumbersome to go around corners, through stairwells, uh, enter into rooms, and search with a long arm because you need two hands pretty much to safely and effectively handle the long arm. It is going to limit you in um, the ability to use a flashlight with, the, with it, which is very easy to do when you have a handgun. You can either have a handgun mounted light or very simply with a tactical flashlight Separately, even, you can use a technique like the Harry's technique or the Chapman technique with the handgun and um, is just as good as if uh, it was a handgun uh, flashlight mounted. Uh, the, the cumbersomeness of the long arm was always, for me, a hindrance for me carrying it. We had guys on our department that loved to carry it, and they were very quick to break it out on any... Uh, signs of any possible risk or danger. They were breaking that out all the time. And then we had guys that were, uh, like me, I did not pull that the AR-15 out or in my earlier days a shotgun unless I really, really thought that I would be in a uh, 
deadly force situation where I'm faced with a deadly force that I would more immediately need to neutralize the threat with a higher level of firepower than what I was facing. And it would be a very minimal amount of times. I could probably count them on both my hands to where I actually needed to resort to pulling out the long arm on various calls and and things. Um, In my earlier part of my career, probably my first decade of law enforcement, the Remington 870 was the long arm of choice in in our cruisers. Remington 870 shotgun, it's a 12-gauge shotgun. We alternated buckshot and slugs. Very versatile weapon, um, very easy to use, and I was very proficient with it. A little later on, we went to carbine rifles. Uh, the department where I worked, the suburb of Milwaukee, we started off with a 9mm carbine. Um, the chief at the time was worried about penetration factors and other things. And we were in an urban environment, um, being very close to Milwaukee. And our little town of 18,000 was all centered within about a four and a half square mile area. Very densely uh, populated urban suburb um, abutting the city of Milwaukee. So he worried about the penetration. So we had a carbine, but it was only a 9 millimeter. There was an incident where I had to euthanize a deer one time that was hit by a car, and I had tr- difficulties euthanizing that deer with the 9 millimeter because the 9 millimeter was such a small round. It was a very big um, buck that was struck by a mercury mountaineer. Its hip was shattered. And it was dying, and I was trying to euthanize it out of its suffering with a 9 millimeter, And it ended up kind of being a case of like the movie Me, Myself, and Irene, where Jim Carrey was the Rhode Island State Trooper, and he's trying to euthanize a cow that was struck in the highway. And he didn't have much success with that, that cow he, um, trying to euthanize it. And I had that same luck with the deer. I was shooting it trying to shoot it in the heart and the chest, and it took me um, about a whole magazine of rounds before I was finally able to do that. And I probably would have been better off using my sidearm, which was a forty-five caliber at the time. Later on, we uh, did finally graduate to a full-fledged AR-15, which that would have had far greater firepower than the sidearm. And then we downgraded our sidearms to a forty caliber. We went from the Smith & Wesson 4506 45 caliber, which only would hold eight rounds, down to a H&K 40 caliber, which held 13 rounds. And then now they've gone to Sig Sauer 9 millimeters, which I, I don't totally agree with going to that small of a round, but apparently the ballistic studies are showing that a 9 millimeter round is, is effective at a stop. A human is a forty caliber round is. Um, I I find that kind of hard to believe because it's getting pretty small. But apparently that is what the ballistics are showing. So that's where we're at now. The firepower of that AR-15 is far greater. But when I went to calls where I had the potential of deadly force, and I was bringing the AR-15 onto that call, once 
the call was stabilized, the, the, the situation was stabilized. Then you have a cumbersome weapon. We had slings on those, and I had to sling it, but it's still flopping around. If you're dealing with a suspect, you um, have to cuff them, gain control of them, but while you're doing all that, you have a very accessible weapon. It's bad enough with the handgun, worrying about that alone when you're dealing with the suspect and subduing them and getting them under control and, and all of that. Uh, but we had retention holsters that were very effective. That person would not be able to simply disarm you from that. But with that long arm, it would be very easy for the suspect to grab that and start pulling on the barrel or the stock. And you could be in a um, bad situation, worrying about that and the sidearm at the same time. Uh, once the situation where the deadly force is no longer a possible risk and you needed to just uh, sling the arm, well, I'm not going to run back to the squad and put that back on lock. You had to deal with the call, and then you have this gun to deal with. You're not going to set that down and have it unattended. You have to sling it, and then you have that thing on you, and it's just very, very cumbersome. I look at that for home defense for you civilians that if you're going around the house and searching to see where that crash, investigate that possible entry of a home invasion, you're going to have to go around corners, maybe through a stairwell, uh, down or up it and all that, and you have a long arm with a very long barrel and all that to deal with. Um, whether it's a shotgun or a rifle. And, and again, like I said, you pretty much need two hands to effectively control that, which makes it more difficult to make that call on the phone, to call 911, to handle the flashlight, to move a loved one um, back, to close doors, etc., etc. Therefore, I opt, it would be my preference in that situation to just go with a handgun, a good quality handgun. You can get large enough caliber handguns, um, a nine millimeter with hollow points, and even better yet, I think a 40 or 45, and you got a, just a good enough effective stopping power at a close quarter distance, which would be within your home as almost a rifle, and you have far more versatility with that handgun. You only have, you can operate it with one hand, and the barrel is not going to be telegraphing your moves. You're not going to be having to worry about someone grabbing, seeing that rifle um, that's pointed out at port arms or as shooting um, uh, position. And you're able to maneuver around much. It's lighter. A rifle or shotgun is going to get heavy after a while of doing this searching and checking your home. The handgun is going to be much more lighter and versatile, especially the new polymer frame guns as opposed to the old metal, all metal ones like we used to carry that were much, much more heavier. That 4506 that I started off with at my second department was like a little boat anchor. It was very, very heavy, but it was still much, much lighter than would have been lugging around a rifle for a long period of time, especially if you have multiple floors to check. Um, 
So in your considerations, your main two considerations are going to be, yes, the rifle or long arm has more stopping power, and you do have a little better accuracy with it, but you have to weigh the other factors and the cons of the versatility of it, mobility, uh, ease of use, and and not being so cumbersome if you have a handgun versus that long rifle. You're going to be able to acquire the handgun much quicker, get it ready um, for if you need it, and handle it much easier than you are with a long gun. That's why we don't carry for concealed carry um, defensive purposes. You're carrying a handgun on you. You're not going to be going all over the place with a long arm all the time. Wherever you're going there. Yes, the long arm has that more firepower. It's going to neutralize the threat much, much more faster. And you're going to be more accurate with it and all of that. But it's not practical for carrying around everywhere you go and um, for easy use. So with all these considerations in mind, for a little bit of difference in the stopping power and accuracy, which you can achieve very close to with a handgun when you're at close core distances. In fact, we all your shooting incidences, as you see in our prior episode of this podcast, we have the 333 rule. All of your shootings, close encounter, deadly force incidences are going to be three seconds, three shots, and three yards or less. Taking that factor into mind, accuracy is not going to be at enough of a distance where I'm going to have the benefit of needing a rifle at that close of a distance for self-defense purposes. Therefore, I will choose the handgun because of the versatility and being less cumbersome over the slight advantage I would have of firepower and accuracy of a a shoulder-fired weapon. So my preference is to just go with the handgun for self, home self-defense and for concealed carry purposes. And I don't really need the long arm. I think the long arm is more than what um, you, you're going to really need. And the benefits of having the handgun, I think, outweigh needing a long arm. So that's my opinion on it. Again, it's going to vary upon your specific circumstances. If you're very, very proficient and trained in a long arm and you're not very familiar with a handgun like a lot of military people are, well, then maybe that will outweigh your decision, your considerations, and you'll just go with the long arm or the shotgun for uh, home defense and all that, and that's fine too. Deadly force is deadly force. Whatever way you're quickest and most proficient in employing it, if it's needed for the defense of your life and your family, that's the route you want to go. For everybody else in the category, the average person, or if you're proficient with both like I am, I have to look at the circumstances and adapt them um, to the situation, and I'm opting for the handgun for the quick access and easy easy um, maneuverability and getting around the house and the corners and all that and using the flashlight and the phone and other things at the same time while I'm still able to defend myself. So hope that gives you some considerations, pros and cons, long arm versus a handgun 
in your home defense considerations. Thanks for listening, and I will be seeing you again in a podcast very soon. Have a great day.